Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome to Jubilee. Uh, You have honored us by joining us today. If you are new to the space, we are looking at this teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mountain. Today, we find ourselves addressing this subject. Jesus is addressing this subject on integrity. What does Jesus have to say to us about integrity? What does he have to say to us about honesty? Well, the great theologian Beyonce had this to say, honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard in mostly what I need from you. And that's so true. We need honesty from each other, but it's so hard to find. In fact, that's why Alexander Pope said that the honest man is the greatest work of God. This statement will surprise no one, but but honesty and integrity are not common traits in our culture. It's why so many people are living in bondage. When Jesus walked the the face of the this earth, he said uh, that you shall know the truth and it is the truth that will set you free. That living in truth before God, before others and before yourself is where freedom is. But so few of us walk in this kind of freedom. So what does Jesus have to say about integrity? What does he have to say about honesty? Well, specifically in our text today, he's dealing with the case law. Let me explain some things here. He's dealing with the case law that developed in Israel around the commandment not to lie, to not to bear false witness. The case was this. Uh, If you lie, the seriousness of that lie depended on the vow you took. So if you wanted to take people seriously, you would swear by something. And in Israel, there was nothing greater than the name of God. Now, they would never swear by the name of God. That was outlawed as well because they so revered the name of God. But so they created this kind of elaborate system uh, to to, uh, swear by things that were closely associated with God, like the temple, like the altar, and even like the gold that was on the altar. Therefore, the seriousness of the lie depended upon the oath of what you would swear by. Now, Jesus would address this in Matthew 23 as well. Just kind of stay with me for these verses. He says, woe to you, blind guides. He's speaking of the Pharisees, the religious people who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by the oath. Though he, they're making a difference there. He says, you blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if he swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by the oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift Sacred. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. What is Jesus saying? What in the world is he saying? Why is he doing this? Well, he's saying a couple things. One is that God is the creator of all the universe. And so, and so the gift, what, you, know, you don't value the gift more than the creator. But more importantly, he's saying that God is everywhere. Therefore, you are always in the presence of God. And the Lord is always standing before you. So why you have all this, you know, you're, you know, you're this way uh, in God's presence, but you're saying, okay, over here, if it doesn't involve God's presence, 
uh, then we don't have to be so serious about the truth. And Jesus is like, hey, look, God's presence is everywhere. So the truth should be everywhere. I heard of a husband uh, who talked about the aftermath of, of, of his life that was destroyed because of an affair that he had. Uh, and, he, and he talked about how he would have his mistress over to his house while his wife was traveling. But the problem with having his home as a place to have the affair is that his wife had all these pictures of their wedding day everywhere. And so before the mistress would come over, he would go around the house and he would turn the picture over. Now, why would he do that? Well, obviously, if his wife is home, he's not going to have the affair, right? If he's, in his pre- if, he's, if, his, if he's in the presence of his wife, he's not going to have the affair. But even the token of her presence reminded him too much that what he was doing was wrong. And Jesus is essentially saying, there is no place on earth where you could turn the picture of God over. A picture is a representation of someone that we have when they're not around, but God is always around. There is no place on earth where his presence does not exist. This is what David in the Psalms is both rejoicing in and lamenting in when he says, like, where can I go from you, God? Like, if I climb a mountain, you're there. And if I go down in the depths of the sea, you're there. There too. If I go over here, you're, you know, you're there. And if I go over there, you're there too. You're everywhere. No matter where I am, you are there. We cannot get away from him. If you are in a crowd, he is with you. But if you're alone by yourself, well, he's there too. If there's something that you're speaking verbally and you're letting everyone know about it, God hears that. But even the things that you don't want people to know, well, he, he knows about that too. The part of your weaknesses that you allow people to see, he sees those. But the part of your weaknesses that you spend all of your energy trying to hide, he sees those weaknesses as well. No matter how dark or how deep the trail goes, he knows because he was there when it happened. Now you can hide your stuff from your friends. You can hide your stuff from your boss. You can even hide some stuff from your spouse, but you cannot hide anything from God. There is not a room that exists that he does not see into. There is no motivation of the heart that God cannot sniff out. No matter how cleverly you try to justify yourself, he knows. And although you and I may have lost our respect for his presence, he is there nonetheless. Now, if you're a Pharisee, if you are a religious person, if you believe that your salvation and your identity comes from, I am a good person, who's Jesus is talking to in this story, this is a horrifying concept that Jesus is everywhere, that God's presence is everywhere. Because how do you regard the law of God? Well, if you're a Pharisee, if you're a religious person, uh, it's a burden to you, but you bear that burden because you fear condemnation. You know that the law is good and you want to obey the law. So the idea that God is everywhere is a horrifying concept to you and it's crushing. But what if you believe the gospel? Well, if you believe the gospel, if you, are, if you believe that you are saved by the radical grace of Jesus, do you live in fear of God? Well, you do, but not because of condemnation, not in fear of punishment, but fear of not pleasing him. So the idea that God is always with you if you believe in the grace of Jesus is, a, is an electrifying idea. If someone is with you that you love, I mean, yeah, there's accountability, right? Like if you love someone, there's accountability. You want to make them happy. You want to please them. Uh, so it do, you can't say, hey, it doesn't matter how I live. It does matter how you live because you love the person. You want to please them. You don't want to put that love to the test. So 
it fills your life with, it, there's accountability, but it also fills your life with joy and security. David, in the psalm, said this. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. And I, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. David isn't creating God's presence, but he's recognizing. He's, he's not setting God before him, but he's saying, I am recognizing that he is before me. And that brings my life joy. That brings my life security. So what does this mean? Well, this means that I'm accountable and I, I would never do anything that I wouldn't do in the presence of God, which means I always am seeking to live by the truth because God's presence is always with me and his presence means more to me than anything. But it also means I'm bold because he's with me. His presence is with me and I love him and he's there to help me and encourage me. And Jesus is saying that God's omnipresence, the fact that he is always here should make you a person of integrity, to be the same person everywhere you go. You know, sometimes we do that with people. We're, 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 we're this way around some people, this way around other people, and we think that it, because th- that person isn't with me that I can be someone else. But God is always with us. God is always with us. And to the degree that you know that, that you believe in God's omnipresence and you value his presence, you'll be a person of integrity. And then he continues, and do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. You know, some people say, this is my body, my life, and I want to control how people see me. And Jesus is like, hey, it's not your body and you can't control it. You can't make your hair black or you can't make your hair white. You can't make yourself young. You can't make yourself old. You cannot control how, pe- how people see you even though you really want to. So he says in verse 37, let what you say simply be yes or no. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. If it's gonna be yes, let it be a real yes. If it's gonna be a no, let it be a real no. Don't say yes to people when you really mean no. Don't, don't say, yeah, I mean, I'd love to be there, but you know, I'm gonna be out of town. Like, or yeah, I'd love to do this, but something else. Like, let your yes be a real yes and let your no be a real no. Um, integer comes, you know, we, we get our word integrity from the mathematical word integer. Integer is a, is a whole number as opposed to a fraction. And when you lack integrity, you are fractured. It's, we are fractured when we say one thing and we do another. We are fractured when we believe one thing and we say another or do another. Uh, you know, we are fractured when we're this way in private, but we're this way in public. We're this way online, but we're something else in reality. So we exaggerate. We, we say things that really aren't true because we're not really seeking to be people of integrity. We're seeking to get our point across. We do this relationally. We, you, you are always this way. You are never like this. And that's not really being truthful. What we really are saying is like, you're not that way enough, which is fine. But we don't say that. We say something else. We don't let our yes be yes and our no be no. Uh, Matthew 37, so he continues, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil, comes from evil. What is, what is hurting? What's the problem with this? Well, there are four problems. Number one, it destroys human community. It destroys human community. Can you imagine a place where no one told the truth? I mean, we see semblance of that in our culture, but there, and there are some places in the world where no one really tells the truth, where you can't count on anyone, where uh, contracts don't mean anything and people's word don't mean anything. It'd be a horrible place 
to live in uh, this lie, it would kill human community. This is what Paul, this is Paul's appeal to the church in Ephesians 4.25. He says, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each of you speak true with his neighbor. Here's why. For we are members one of another. We are a community. We are together. We are one body. We are connected. And, we, and a lie to someone else is really a lie to ourselves. It's, it's pretending, it's putting on a mask. And, and unfortunately, in the church, this, is what, this happens too much. We pretend to be a certain way when we're not. So we, we learn the externals of what a changed life is. And then we come into setting, we pretend that we're some way when we're really not. So we come into a community group or a Sunday morning and like, hey, everything's great, when really it's not. We're not being honest. We're not being truthful to where we're at. So we're being hypocritical. We act a certain way in Christian settings. Uh, We pretend that everything's okay with our job and everything's okay with our marriage and everything's okay with this when it's really not. And we're not willing to do that. We have this saying in our groups that we want to be a church that goes, uh, we want to cross the line of shame. We want to go beyond the surface talk about sports and the good stuff about our kids and the weather. We want to get below the surface and talk about the things that are really weighing on us. And this is, not, this is important, not just because it's like a, a buzzword about being authentic and genuine, because this has to do with our soul. This, this destroys community. When we come in and we pretend, when we pretend with one another, we, we hurt the community, we hurt ourselves. Um, we've got to be a place that where we are sincere. That's what Romans 12 says, Romans 12, 9, talking about Christian love. It says, let love be genuine. Let love be without hypocrisy. And that's what we want to do. We want to be people of honesty and integrity because it destroys community. Theologian Lewis Smead said this, when you make a promise, you have created a small sanctuary of trust within a jungle of unpredictability. There's just a jungle of unpredictability out there and we can create a sanctuary for one another. Another, it destroys human identity. Think about it. What's really true of you? Well, it's either something you do or something you are or, or something you believe that always stays the same. You know, when I sit down with people who've destroyed their life over an affair or a drug addiction or something that's, um, that's caused them uh, to project an image about themselves that wasn't true, so something they've tried to keep dark and, and, and hidden for a long period of time when it all came crashing down on them, when, uh, when reality caught up on them, they didn't just feel guilty or ashamed. They didn't even know who they were. They lost a sense of identity. And when you tell a lie enough to others and yourself, eventually there's no self left. It also destroys human dignity. dignity. When you lie to someone, you're exploiting them. You're treating them like an object. You're, you're not allowing them to see reality. You're, you're putting them at a disadvantage. You're, you're using them. You're, you're using them as an object for your own purpose. It's a violation of human dignity. You're treating them less than something that is human. Tim Keller in his uh, book, God's Wisdom in Navigating Life, co- quotes Joy David when she says, Lies of gossip make haters out of us. Lies of advertising make money out of us. Lies of politics make power out of us. Lies violate human dignity and turn us, turn other people into something less. It violates human dignity. It, de- it destroys and demeans. It also 
uh, destroys human reality. Every lie is an attempt to suspend or mask what the way things really are. And in the long run, it really does catch up on you. And there's a point in your life where you have, you just kind of have this collision with reality. So what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? Well, um, you know, he kind of hints at like, hey, does he hint at saying something like, hey, don't swear at all, you know, like don't make an oath. Um, I don't think that's what he's really saying because the Bible's full of promises. I mean, God makes a promise to us. God makes an oath to us. So I don't think he's saying don't make an oath. Um, but what he's really saying is that you're always under oath, that you and I should walk around telling the truth as if we are in a court, courtroom swearing on a stack of Bibles, that we should always say, this is the honest truth. This is the way I am. This is who I am. This is, this is what's going on with me always being honest. Matthew 12, Jesus says that we will be judged for every idle word. Like being a person of the truth is such a big deal. Let me put it this way. If, if you knew that everything that you said, that everything that you did, and even everything that you thought was somehow going to be videotaped and tomorrow was on YouTube, do you think that would cause you to live differently, uh, to speak differently, to think differently? Yeah, of course it would. I know it would for me. If I knew that everybody was going to see everything that I did, everything that we said and everything that we thought, we would live differently, which means that we're fools because God sees everything. God sees every word, God sees every thought, God sees every action, and it should cause us to live differently. But why don't we do this? Why aren't we people of integrity? Why aren't we uh, people of the truth that we, that we want to be? Well, here's why. It's in the, this word, keep the oath. Um, some translations say fulfill the oath. Like how do we fulfill the oath? That Greek word literally, to fulfill literally means to pay what is due, uh, to pay the debt. And here's why we're not people of integrity. Here's why we don't always tell the truth is because we don't want to pay the cost. We want people's approval. Some of us are approval people. We want people to think well of us. And if I told them what I was really thinking, they may not like me. They may not approve of me. So I will exaggerate the truth. I will, I will lie. I'll spin. I'll do something so that I can keep people's approval. Some of us, we, we, we don't want to pay the cost of control. We don't want to lose control. Um, so we want to control at what, how other people view us. We want to control what is true. Otherwise, we'll be at a disadvantage. Now, approval people don't care about being at a disadvantage as long as people approve of them, and control people don't care what people think of them as long as they're in control. But both, all of us, no matter where we stand, we're, we're not willing to pay the cost. But here's, here's the great news of the gospel. Jesus was willing to pay the cost. To tell the truth, truth-telling is costly, And Jesus came and he told the truth and he was the truth. He made himself vulnerable. We don't want to make ourselves vulnerable before other people. So we we hide the truth because we don't want to be vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable on our behalf. He told the truth. He paid the price. And here's the good news. He approves of us. The Father, because of Jesus, the Father approves of us. Because of Jesus, the Father takes care of us. So we don't have to be in control. We can let God be in control. And so we, it frees us. It frees us to be people of the truth. And we can stop hiding. That's what we do, right? When sin, when we are aware of our sin, we hide. That's what they did in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. Genesis 3, 7, they are aware of their sin and they hid from God and they hid 
from each other. When we are free from the gospel, we stop hiding. We stop hiding before God and we stop hiding before one another. Pharisees, religious people hide from God. Christians, people are aware of the gospel of grace. They run to God. You know, in Hebrews 4, it's this wonderful passage. Hebrews 4.13 says that all is laid bare before the one we must give an account. And then it goes on in Hebrews 5 that he is our high priest. And because he's our high priest and because he sympathizes with us, he knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows that we are but dust. He knows our sinfulness. It says in Romans that he, but, um, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. He didn't pick you because you were perfect. He didn't pick you because of the image you project. He knows the deepest parts of you and he loves you. And because he's our high priest, because he sympathizes in our time of need, in our time of difficulty, when we've messed up, when we've made a mess of our life, we can run quickly to the throne of grace. And that's where we need to run Today, my brothers and sisters, we need to run to the throne of grace, this standard that he is putting out in the Sermon on the Mount. Man, it is not just high. It is, it's impossible. It is an impossible standard, but it's a standard that Jesus met and he fulfilled. And when we put our trust in him, we receive forgiveness for our lack of truth telling and it gives us the power and the resources to be free to be free from trying to seek people's approval, to be free from seeking to try to control the situation. And just be honest, to be people of integrity, the whole person, the whole time. Not one way over here and different over here, not saying this, but really thinking this. We can be free, free in the gospel. Thank you.